Hashtag SFM Talking Point. It is just under 10 minutes after 10 a.m. You are listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with us, for being in our company. Very important conversation I want us to have right now. Teenage pregnancy is a simple problem, but it's also a complex problem. It manifests in many different ways. There are socioeconomic elements to it, certainly. There are uh, sociocultural elements to it, perhaps. But there are also criminal elements to it. It also manifests as rape, right? And we need to talk about that. It also manifests as an indictment on the poverty of education we have as far as sexual education, sexual health education is concerned in this country. And I want us to explore all those sorts of facets. I've got three fantastic guests for you. I've got Dr. Sibusi Mkwanazi, who's with the Institute of Gender Studies at UNISA. Dr. Mkwanazi has a PhD that focused on the social structural analysis of teenage pregnancy. who's a journalist and a gender activist and has spoken many times on this issue. And Dr. Nozi Pomvune, who's with the Department of Education in KwaZulu-Natal. I want to speak about this because over the December holiday, it resurfaced in the news every once in a while. And every time these teenage pregnancy stats come out, right, it's, it's a shock to the system. We're disappointed and angry about it for a day and we sort of move on. We don't really take the time to pause and look at, and, and dig, dig deep into the conversation. And it's important that we do so outside of the news cycle of the stats being released. And in December, it was the MEC of Health in Limpopo, uh, Dr. Popira Matuba, who went on hospital visits on Christmas Day. And she was shocked at how many teenagers were in hospital on the day giving birth. And it was a news item for that day. And then we just sort of moved on with it. And that's why I sort of want to have this conversation with the news cycle having shifted its attention away from that problem. And so I want you to be a part of it. 86 2032 086 Dr. Sibusu thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really do appreciate it. Dr. Mvune, I also appreciate you being a part of this conversation. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Mkwanazi. Are we correctly defining the problem of teenage pregnancy in South Africa? Or are we narrowly defining it or misdefining it altogether? I asked that question because how we define it determines how we approach it and how we solve, attempt to solve for it. Thanks so much, Oliver. Um, and uh, I'd just like to greet all of your listeners as well. Um, so I think you ask an interesting question. And as researchers, as scholars, we are really guided um, in terms of the definition by the World Health Organization that has stated that teenage pregnancy is pregnancy that occurs below the age of 20. However, um, despite this being the definition, I don't think it's the definition that then entails how we need to um, go about addressing teenage pregnancy, but rather we need to be mindful of our own laws and statutes in South Africa where it is very clear that um, uh, uh, sexual conduct below the age of 16, whether there is consent or not, 
um, if it is with an individual above the age of 16, is termed statutory rape. And all sexual conduct um, below the age of 18 needs to be between individuals that have a maximum age gap of two years. And if we look at the data of who is impregnating um, teenage girls in South Africa, um, I, I conducted a study where I looked at data between 2013 and 2015. But even if we look at data from 2017 to 2019, and the data has remained fairly consistent over time, mm. majority of partners, male partners that impregnate teenage girls are above the age of 15. Um, remember that, uh, so what happens with teenage pregnancy is that we really try to distinguish it between two age groups, the 10 to 14 year olds, and then the 15 to 19 year olds, majority of teenage pregnancy is happening between 15 to 19 year olds. Um, the, the male partners are aged, uh, majority of them between 20 and 25 and above. Um, and the and the majority of partners for girls aged 10 to 14 are males aged first 15 to 19 and then 20 years and above as well. So we, we do see that it is adult males that actually drive teenage pregnancy and not necessarily the peers of these teenage girls. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you so much for that. I I really appreciate that that context and the data around it because it is often a disputed part of the conversation around who's responsible for it uh, and all of that sort of stuff. How uh, I want to bring you in here. Uh, given the 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 data context that Dr. Mkwanazi had given us, that it is adult males that are driving teenage pregnancy in the main are we then having the right conversation? Should we be having a conversation about teenage pregnancy or should we be having a conversation about rape and statutory rape? Thank you so much, Oliver, and thank you to your guests and your listeners. Um, yes, I think we are having the wrong conversation. Um, we tend to focus more on the birthing person who's a child in this case rather than what drives this, which is essentially rape. Um, I did a story in 2021, and it said that there are 1,300 1, new cases of HIV in adolescent girls every week in South Africa. And this was reported by the basic Department of Education. They were actually giving a report to, to Parliament. Yeah. And that report was shocking, right? And like you said, we were outraged for a little bit. It also talked about the, the 35,000 pregnancies. But what was more interesting in that report was the reason for the for who you know um, infected these young girls with HIV and who is raping these young girls. And they mentioned poverty, they mentioned lack of um, sexual um, and reproductive education, and they mentioned rape and statutory rape. We have a problem in this country, which is a legacy of patriarchy, um, of rape and entitlement, and. People often think that only women are getting raped, but children bear the brunt of this rape. And because they are too young to negotiate condom use, they are too young and they don't have power in those 
interactions to negotiate for themselves, they obviously end up being pregnant. You know, and a lot of them are afraid to, to go to, to, to get abortions. But even that's another conversation because access is lacking. So we do really need to talk about the fact that children are getting raped. And we need to stop, to, we need to stop saying that these children are the ones responsible for being pregnant. They are children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's that's important that you say we need to stop blaming the children for falling pregnant because that seems to be the dominant cultural narrative that these kids are doing it uh, to themselves. They're responsible for it. They are uh, uh, tropes such as they are ripe before their age are being thrown around. Right, Doctor Mvune, how do we shift? Do you think one we need to shift the attention away from the children to the perpetrators by and large, that being adult males, or do you think it should be a dual approach? Um, good morning, Oliver, and your listeners, and also greetings to the uh, panel members as well. Um, may I start by making a disclaimer to say I do work for the Department of Education in KZN. However, I'm not a designated spokesperson for the yeah. for the department. I don't want to be, um, you know, in hot water um, with my employer. Yeah. However, I would like to um, contribute as a UKZN researcher rather than a, 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 a GPE employee. However, um, my comments um, or my contribution will, will touch a bit on it because um, I, I did research in um, 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 focusing on the teenage sexuality um, of young people who are in schools, meaning to some extent I will touch on, on, on schooling and, and sexuality. Mm, mm. Um, okay, I just wanted to make that disclaimer before, before we continue. Mm, mm. Um, okay, so um, I, I'm, I'm contrary to what um, Dr. Mukwanazi has, has um, had put forward um, about um, teenage pregnancy um, being caused by intergenerational relationships. I want to, I want to start by saying it's, it's caused by a combination of factors. We, can, we cannot rule one out all over the others. However, I am noting it that the, the, context, the, the context of poverty and, and vulnerability in learners kind of push them to, 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 towards those, those intergenerational relationships. For example, um, I, I, did, I did a study on, on um, teenage pregnancy, but focusing on teenage fathers as to how do they tell their stories, how do they account for the unplanned pregnancy and 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 how do they take responsibility for the pregnancy and and to find that even if it's happening on a small scale and it's it's a it's a it's a research that is emerging focusing on on teenage fathers as as also being part of the problem uh, it, it it emerged that the the, the whilst the pregnancies were, were unplanned and 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 mistimed and happening out of 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 the plants um um in in interrupting schooling and stuff however the teenage the teenage fathers however the teenage fathers um would want wanted to be present in the lives of their children and and, and thus um contradicting the common discourse that has um, viewed them as reckless, uninvolved, uncaring. Meaning, the, uh, I want to agree with you on your on your um, on your opening line to say that there are some factors that 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 we are missing out that kind of limit our definition. For example, when we talk of teenage pregnancy, we are missing it already. 
because the statistics before us in the media and research talk of um, 10 to 14 year olds um, mother, mother and baby. Yeah. Can, I, can, I, can I just pause you there because I want us to take a quick break uh, and, and, and then we'll dig into the complexity of that definition. Let's take this break. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. You are listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon in conversation with Dr. Nozie Pomvune as well as Khaupelele Paliatile as, and as well as Dr. Sibusi Sumkwanaz and we're talking about teenage pregnancy. Dr. Mune, before we went to that break, you you mentioned that there's another layer of the definition that needs to be added to it to adequately and have a full appreciation for uh, the ways, uh, the complete ways in which teenage pregnancy manifests. Oh, yes. I I, I, I did say, um, for example, looking at it as, as a concept of teenage pregnancy, it's like we are we are already missing, 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 missing on on on. Um, a, 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 a layer that will help us to understand the complexity of the issue. To say, um, for example, that the dominant discourse on 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 on, on sexuality on child sexuality is that one of ch- childhood innocence that views children as as innocent beings, uh, and and I think that caught, kind of caught us by surprise as as South African to say whilst we're focusing on sexuality. As 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 an as a, a topic to 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 comment at teenage stage, stages, whilst focusing whilst looking at children as 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 innocent, uh, the, the the problem the, the the problem escalated to to a level such that um our our minister our current minister of of GPE declared it a national crisis, to say um it's a, it's a it's a combination of factors. And when they impregnate each other, that's where um, peer pressure comes into play. The lack of um, understanding of the SRH services and the lack of access, especially in the context where I conducted my research, which is the rural context. Mm. Uh, 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 and, and also um, in terms of um, the, the interventions, it's like the interventions usually apply a blanket approach and, and not taking into consideration the issue of context, which which I think is very very important. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know whether. I yeah, uh, thank you so much for that. Really, really do appreciate it, Dr. Mkwanazi, Two things here. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Mvune tells us that, but you 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 have to take into consideration the context from where the the, the date and the stats find itself in. I I don't know if there's a difference in how teenage pregnancy manifests in urban peri-urban areas versus rural areas and whether there are different sets of uh, input data that plays a role in that context over there. But should that be the case, um, what then solves the problem there? When I, what I glean from Hao's uh, contribution is that even if you educate kids about consent, you can't take away the power dynamic where they're not able to negotiate safe sex practices such as condom wearing. Because it's in the main adult males, as you said, that drive teenage pregnancy. So education seems to be not a sufficient condition to solving this problem. Um, so yes and no. <laughs> um, so I think firstly, we need to be mindful of the fact that, yes, context does matter um, and has been shown to matter in previous studies. Um, where we have seen that there are 
higher levels of teenage pregnancy um, in rural settings, in poor settings, um, in in whether whether the poverty might be at a household level or a community level, but other community factors that have been shown to be driving um, teenage pregnancy are, uh, you know, cultural issues, gender inequality, gender stereotyping, and then the gender and power dynamics that occur within relationships. And I think this is the crux of the matter because despite levels of education where poor levels of education have been, lower levels of education have been linked to higher levels of teenage pregnancy, as much as a, a young girl might have um, adequate levels of education, once she's in a relationship, her, her ability to negotiate for safe sex, to access um, reproductive health, contraceptive, contraceptives in general at the clinic might be hampered because although she's aware that she's supposed to be doing these things, there are risks. There are social risks in, in accessing um, contraceptives at the clinic because studies have shown us that there are attitudes that young people obtain when they go and try and obtain sexual and reproductive health services from the clinics, from nurses and other medical and other health professionals. But within the relationship, unfortunately, in the South African context, you get a situation where people start having a relationship initially. Initially, yeah. it might be and they might agree and the parties might agree that we will use contraceptives. We are getting to know each other. Once the relationship becomes serious, one of the hallmarks of relationships becoming serious is, is that contraceptives and protection are, are abandoned because there's an assumption that it should only be the two of us. So when there's already that kind of power dynamic, gender dynamic, we are trying to show our loyalty in this relationship, right? As a young girl, it becomes difficult for you to insist on contraceptives. Why are you then insisting on contraceptives? Are you seeing other people? What exactly is the problem? Do you not trust me? Okay. And, and that becomes a very difficult conversation where there also ends up being a risk as a young, for a young girl, a perceived risk, that perhaps it's better not to even have this conversation because it's a difficult conversation to have with your partner, all right? So there, there are all of these dynamics that at times, um, as the general public, we, 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 we tend to overlook. Relationships are already difficult enough navigating them as adults. But now when it is young girls who are with people that are a little bit older than them, not intergenerational per se, yeah. not the 13-year-old with someone who's 40, but the 13-year-old who with someone who's 15, the 15-year-old girl who with someone who's 17 or 19, it becomes a difficult conversation and becomes a, a, a place of contention and tension. That young girls need to be given more skills, but also young men and men in general need to be given more awareness of these risks and consequences that end up being in uh, at play in such relationships. How, how much of 
the narrative in in in, in these settings happen to be cult, social cultural uh, in the sense of a you're a girl child you your period have started therefore you are ready to give birth regardless of your age um, and how much of it are the pull factors often socioeconomic uh, a dominant narrative is that you must go and get a you must have a baby so that you can access social grants i want you to answer that for me on the other side of the headlines let's take your headlines sfm talking point you were listening to the talking point. My name is Oliver Dixon. Before we went to the uh, to the news headline, uh, uh, I asked Khao, our guest, uh, what you know. Oftentimes, Khao, effectively, the the base of the question is this: Oftentimes, we report on teenage pregnancy stats dispassionately. That is to say, we report how many teenage girls fell pregnant and what the age spread of that is. And oftentimes, if we're serious about it, we'll report uh, how old the fathers are. Uh, that impregnated these girls. Uh, but what we don't do is invest enough of, especially our media resources, into telling the individual stories of these girls, right? Um, we only rely on academia often to try and do that, and as, that has its own difficulties and complexities, right? Uh, the question then is this. How much do we know about the push and pull factors? How much of it are sociocultural? How much of it are socioeconomic? Thank you for for that question, Oliver. And I want to start by saying it's very hard to tell a story of a child who's vulnerable in the media, number one. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of resources to actually be able to do that. But also, I think that um, maybe it's the activist in me, um, but I get tired of... I know stories are important and stories change mindsets, but I feel like we need to start focusing on what's the problem and who do we keep accountable. And that's that type of reporting is quite necessary. Who is accountable? Who should be accountable? Who should be doing what? And who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing? It's a conversation we need to have a lot of times because we know what the problem is. I think the factors are both social and cultural and um, both socioeconomic because when you look at the numbers of teenagers um, who do get impregnated, you find that a lot of them are in very marginalized communities because of poverty. Um, lack of support from parents who don't have support themselves. Um, a lot of school dropouts happen. Um, a lot of factors in those marginalized communities, which is like lack of access. Someone spoke about lack of access to contraceptives or feeling like they will be judged when they get to the clinic um, or not actually being able to be given the right information. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what an abortion was until I needed one. And most young girls will tell you the same thing. Sure. And these are kinds of conversations that we need to have with young girls because I was 19 when that happened, you know. Um, and it, it's a scary thing if you have nobody to talk to about. And a lot of um, girls who are marginalized don't have that. And that's not because their parents don't want to, but that's because their parents don't have tools. Um, but we also have, you know, I keep, and I know um, your kids are not trying to be weird about speaking about relationships, but the word relationships, triggers me and I get it, but we do really have a problem of um, gender-based violence being a source of pregnancies. And I think when we speak of gender-based violence, we often exclude these kids. We're talking about teenage pregnancy, but actually in South Africa, we have adolescents to teenage pregnancy. Um, we have kids as young as nine um, and 12 getting pregnant. And we are not talking a lot about how, you know, patriarchy is the source of what is happening. Um, someone spoke about... Um, 
you know, um, the legacies of patriarchy in our communities. And that's also one of the big factors compounded with the economic factors, which when you look at it, it all goes back to patriarchy and capitalism. And those are the things that really add to this. And I think for me, as an activist, I want to stress that, you know, when we report as well about this, we need to stop saying, you know, six, 15-year-old or 14-year-old girl um, in a relationship with her, her, her teacher or whatever. And it's always the girl first, then the teacher, you know. When we report and talk about these things, I think we need to be clear that it takes 21 years, Oliver, for me and you, our brains to be fully broad and capacitated to think in ways that are, you know, advanced thinking, you know. And for, for children who are 14, 15, 16, they are developed, they have to take accountability for certain things, but their brain is not fully developed. And if we are expecting so much more from these children than ourselves, and then we have a problem. We need to keep people accountable. Um, the, when we report on the pregnancies, we need to ask the question of where are the numbers on the rates? Where are the cases? Yeah. Um, are, we, are, we, are we actually you know, investigating that? And I know the Department of Education is doing their best or trying their best to do this with a lot of other NGOs. Um, to try and see how to actually report on the pregnancies, but also ensure that they, you know, speak to these young girls in a safe space to find out where did this happen, how did this happen. But our girls are not protected, and a lot of us are preyed on by older people, especially who are poor and our families don't have money. We have young girls, you know, being sent out at home to go, you know, sleep with older men or be raped by older men, rather so that they can feed their families. And we need to talk about that conversation. The more and more South Africans um, become unemployed and the more and more South Africans don't have um, adequate income in their households, that the most vulnerable continue to become vulnerable. Mm. Uh, Dr. Mkwanaza, do you want to reflect on that? So I think, you know, um, I agree that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to to figure out which are the factors that are more important than others but i think it's uh, but i think it's important to understand that there are there are there are there are these social socio cultural factors that make the environment um you know very conducive for teenage pregnancy so it is in the midst of you know your poverty your rural residence, your traditional beliefs. Yeah. Um, that all of these things will then thrive. You know, that the gender inequalities will thrive, that um uh, uh adult males will not find it a problem to be approaching children. I mean, in some of the data I've looked at, there was a 70-year-old, a, a 70 plus year old male who had impregnated a teenage girl uh, who was between the age of 15 and 19. And my question becomes, who who is allowing this? How does that happen? First of all, how does an adult male who is above the age of 70 not look at a child who is between the age of 15 and 19 as their granddaughter, let alone a child, Mm. okay? Uh, And then her parents... You know, how is this being allowed? People in the community, when she goes to see him, when he comes to see her, how is this even happening within the community? 
as much as we want to always um, point the finger to young girls, I think it's very important as society to also start pointing fingers at ourselves. Yep. What are we allowing to occur mm -hmm. in our communities for this teenage pregnancy to continue occurring as much as it happens? Just on the question of language, and I and I, and I do want us to spend uh, not too much time on it, but just to 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 you know find some sort of uh, understanding around it, um, because language matters. How we frame issues determines how we view them. How how cautions against the the use of the word relationship in describing that sort of thing, right? Uh, sure. They may want to describe it as a relationship, the participants, but as society, we should not do that. How says perhaps we should call it what it is, gender-based violence, ongoing gender-based violence. Uh, what's, what's your view on, on, on that, uh, Dr. Mvune? Okay, please repeat the question again, Oliver. On the question of language, how sh what language should be used to describe what is going on here? How, how is it cautions against the use of the word uh, relationship in describing that sort of dynamic, even though the participants may want to call it that, Right. What we as society should really be calling it is ongoing gender-based violence. Um, I, I, want, I want to agree with you to say um, maybe as the society we've, 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 we've kind of um, cushioned things and, and not put them as, as they're supposed to be, kind of protecting the, the, the perpetrators. And in a way, as the society, we have failed our children um, in, in, in terms of um, uh, protecting them from 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 the the, the things that, um, as as they happen, and and also I want to I want to also agree with um with the the previous speakers to say it it, it becomes kind of um difficult to say which outweighs the other um between the the, the social economic um sectors and also um the social um cultural sectors. Um, 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 there was a time where you spoke about the issue of grants, whether grants do contribute um, in, in, in how we, we see um, the landscape of, of, of pregnancy, in, in um, um, children pregnancy in, in, in South Africa. To say, um, whilst a grant, uh, uh, um, children do access grants, but um, um, research has, has ruled them out. Um, and and also um, mainly what kind of drives. So just to um, pause you there, the yes. data tells us that accessing social welfare grants is not a driving factor for child and it, teenage pregnancy. It, it 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 is not. It is definitely not. Um um, um so I I want to say whilst we 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 focus like all the initiatives um finger pointing. And whether they are the, the, the Department of Education or the supporting partners or other departments, whilst we're focusing on, on, on the girl child, it's, it's about time that we also look at, at the boys to say how are we, are we socially grooming the boys in terms of understanding that this is violence, this is a relationship, this, this amounts to GPV, as, as, as you asked earlier to say. Are we are we kind of um, in terms of the use of language? Are we maybe um, missing the, the 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 correct um, like, play, uh, like the, the, the the correct um, wedding um, in, in terms of calling it a relationship, even when it's not a relationship? So I I, I want I want to say 
there, there is also a need um, to bring in the boys in 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 these um, conversations, and also um, and, and another issue that I want us to look at is that there, there is there is a, a, a trend that these these um these children that we are about the the, the numbers um where, where we talk about the forty percent increase from 2017 to 2021 of um of um the, the 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 rate of pregnancy from the 10 to 14 year olds we are we are looking at the children that are born to teenagers themselves and 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 also i want i want i want to bring in the issue of social cultural whereby there is an intergenerational silence on 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 these issues so it's it's um it's a, it's a, it's a combination of factors um very very complex mm. however it's it 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 requires a a, a multi sectoral and a multi layered approach uh, that is as as broad as as possible yeah. in terms of intervening I, I also want to say um um um, um one one speaker talked about the attempts that the, the Department of Education is making in terms of the policies. I want to say whilst the policies are good, but they end up being good on paper, and, and what is lacking mostly is the implementation path in terms of having the clear implementation plans. Mm-mm-mm. Dr. Mkwanazi, do teachers know how to talk about teenage about sex in general and sexual health, uh, sexual protection, violence, and consent in the classroom? I think adults in general um, in the South African context find it very difficult talking about um, issues of sexuality to children, right? To young people in general. And as much as the curriculum uh, makes it a bit easier with the uh, you know content being present for these conversations to be had, um, with with young people, it becomes very difficult because of the very um, discomfort that teachers, adults might have having these conversations with young people. But I also just wanted to add on to the issue of language and referring to teenage pregnancy as gender-based violence that, as a matter of fact, the Department of Women, Youth and uh, people living with disabilities has recently adapted the gender-based violence strategy um, to actually accommodate teenage pregnancy and try to address teenage pregnancy. So last year, um, there was a a meeting of various departments, um, government departments, as well as UN agencies to come up with an investment case Um, uh, which is a a unified uh, collaborative way of now preventing teenage pregnancy. And the Department of Women, um, in contributing towards the investment case, did bring forward this adapted strategy of the gender-based violence strategy already to now start looking at teenage pregnancy and tackling teenage pregnancy as the other side of the coin to gender-based violence. So I think we are going in the correct direction, um, but it's going to need more of this collaborative approach going forward. 086 
086 Do you have a question or a comment you would like to contribute to this conversation? Uh, let's speak to JK out in Kempton Park. JK, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Oliver, as well as your guest. Mm, uh, go ahead, thank sir. You for, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, may I say that now this is a good uh, conversation that we need to, to talk about as a country. However, in many cases, uh, let me start pointing, pointing fingers, number one, at men. In many cases, pointing the fingers at men in terms of our ethics. Starting from school, uh, where you find that some teachers falling in love with the children. Then going to the second issue in terms of the community itself. Where you find that now? To me, there's a lack of quality parenting. The quality parenting... I linked the, the, the issue of Enyobeni, that was a classical example where some children, they go, they go at night, they do whatever they are doing. And in many cases, we end up wanting to point fingers at government. And to me, this is where we're getting wrong. We need to start parenting. The parenting part, as well as the, this issue of a database, yeah. I also do question because sometimes you talk about this data. This data that we are talking about, sometimes we find that it's not accurate because some of the matters, it is at the community level where you find that the people who are making research, they are making research, go there and there. But the people who are in the communities, they want, they know the real issue. The real issue is find that some of this information are not included okay. in, 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 in those data. Okay, thank you so much for your call. Really do appreciate it. Dr. Mkwanaza, do you want to speak to the veracity of data that we depend on for policymaking, for academia, and for reporting purposes? So, um, as a demographer, I use a lot of um, secondary data, data that is um, nationally representative. And for my PhD, for example, I used the census data um, from 2011. I've also used the community survey data from 2016. For the data uh, regarding the age of the male partners um, for teenage mothers, that has been from birth registration data, which is uh, in, in our South African uh, context um, uh, quite, quite widely collected. Uh, more than 80% uh, accuracy. So um, yes, your, your, your listener is correct in stating that there is a lot of research that is conducted but mainly by qualitative researchers where they look at specific communities, specific areas. But with the kind of research that I do, I do quantitative research. And as a result... Can I, can I just pause I, you there? I, I just want us to take a quick break. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation. Dr. Mkwanazi, before we went to that break, we spoke about data. Maybe this should be the cadence to it. Should we, despite the limitations on the data we may have, because data will never ever be completely conclusive, right? But despite the limitations we may have on it, should we limit our reliance thereon? Um, I think I think the best practice is really to to be looking at the data in conjunction in on in the on the quantitative data in conjunction with what we are finding from qualitative research as well. So remember that 
um, the, these, these various types of research help us to answer different questions, all right? Mm. And, and, and as much as the quantitative data will allow us to find out, you know, prevalence, incidence, where there are higher levels and lower levels, and also to then look at associations and what are predictors of teenage pregnancy. Once we found those issues, I work quite a lot with qualitative researchers to understand the deeper meanings and the reasons why right. we are finding those associations. And I think that is what we need to do more going forward. And then just a final theme to explore. How oftentimes you'll hear of uh, a teenager was impregnated by so and so 25 year old man, 14 year old girl impregnated by 25 year old man. And, you know, that's sort of the end of the story. And unless that 14 year old girl or her family opens a case of rape or statutory rape, nothing comes of it. Should we and by we, I mean here government, should the government, should the Department of Justice in conjunction with the Department of Health and Education proactively pursue criminal investigation and charges in that instance. That is to say, treat it as a criminal case, despite the participants not necessarily thinking of it as such. I think that's a great idea, Oliver. I think that's a great idea because families often don't go ahead with those cases for several issues. And, you know, those issues can be valid because a lot of things can be true at the same time, you know. And sometimes parents struggle also being afraid of, um, you know, their child being revealed in the media and so on and so on. But I also do know that a lot of parents don't go into that because they blame their children. We need to talk about that too. But I really do think those cases should be pursued regardless because there is an age of consent, which I don't particularly like at all. <laughs> what then, how do you say to a family who says, well, if we, if this man is in jail for rape or statutory rape, who's going to take care of this child financially? Yeah. And that's why I'm saying the reasons for this are, are many, right? And it's very difficult to approach it with just a blanket approach. Um, at the end of the day, the child has been raped. At the end of the day, there is going to be trauma. At the end of the day, that trauma is going to become generational, Oliver. And that's why I say that the more and more people are marginalized and it's economically disenfranchised, the more and more these problems exacerbate. So government should focus on a multifaceted you know, amount of things to do. We have a lot of work to do as a country, but it doesn't mean that people should not um, get justice. I think men rape kids because they know that they can and they are aware of the issues that we just spoke about now and the complexities and difficulties. Some of them even say, I'm not going to get arrested. I know the story recently where I think the girl was raped um, just before, just the day after her birthday when she turned 16, just to make sure that I don't go to jail. And that shook the hell out of me, you know. And people do that. They, 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 they know the law and people mm. do those types of things. And if the law shows them that it can keep them accountable, then maybe, you know, they can they can deter them from doing things like this. But we also need to have conversations in our communities. We need to have conversations about the fact that we know who's doing these things. Mm, mm, and we mm. should quiet, you know. Mm. I like what your listeners spoke about, um, that we shouldn't only blame government. We should blame our society for the types of values that we have. We should ask ourselves, if I am passing by the road, and an old, I can see that an older man is trying to speak to a child, 
and, you know, been trying to be, you know, very weird with the child in a sexual way. Am I just going to pass or am I going to protect the child? Am I only protecting children that are mine? Like, mm-hmm. these are the conversations we want to speak, we want, we need to talk about because what happens in our society affects in our homes. Mm. Our homes should be isolated from our society. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a part, a critical part of it. Dr. Mvume, in the last minute uh, that we have, do you want to reflect on that question as well? Should this become a, 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 a criminal pursuit when we find an adult male impregnated a teen girl uh, child? Most definitely, Oliver. Um, it should be it should be um, a, a criminal case. However, um, a, a, a lot of um, 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 conversations need to take place for the empowerment of of, of families and and girls themselves. And so, so that because without without empowerment, the um, a lot of um, GBV has been normalized. There is a, a, so when you a, speak a about empowerment, of, what do you mean? What does that look like? Um, um, empowerment. It's a, It's about people knowing to say a crime has been committed, and and what has happened was not right. A, a child should not be um, impregnated. For example, I, I I do see a shift in in the current legislation to say, for example, the the new policy on learner pregnancy in schools. It does say the school has to establish the 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 the, the, the circumstances surrounding the pregnancy. So as the perpetrator will have to account. However, like I said earlier, to say even if the policies are good and the rights-based and and child-friendly, however, yeah. they remain pieces of paper and until people are empowered to implement them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Nozipo Mvune. Really do appreciate it. Khaupelelwe Palietzela, really do appreciate your contributions on the program as well as Dr. Sibusiso Mkwanazi. That brings us to the end of the conversation. So many more questions, so many more thoughts. We can never completely exhaust this conversation and we'll certainly need to continue it uh, with at different stages to really, as a society, drill it into our hearts and minds that this is a crisis.